Welcome in to the MSFW Dynasty Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Dave Reed, joined by my co-hosts, Ryan Wilkinson and Joey Gallo. Hey guys doing? Ready yeah. to uh, talk some ball? Hello everyone, welcome to, to another episode of, uh, of the podcast. Love the enthusiasm, boys. Uh, we are officially in spooky season, which means we are a month into the NFL season, four weeks down, and things are getting a bit clearer uh, of who is performing and who is disappointing so far. And we are also seeing in our leagues the trajectory of some of the teams and um, if, who's going to be contender and who might be uh, selling out and rebuilding for next year. But I do want to say, if you're 0-4 or 1-3, uh, that does not mean you're out of it just yet. Uh Oftentimes, teams just get very unlucky. You can still be a very strong team, um, and you just got to stick it out and keep pushing through, find ways to, to grind out wins throughout the rest of the season. There's plenty of stories. I know I've had a bunch myself. Uh, Ryan can probably speak to one from one of our other leagues of a team who started off slow, and uh, I'll let Ryan finish that story. Yeah, I mean... Uh, no names, though. No names. <laughs> I'm going to give this guy credit by saying his name, but... I was once defeated in the championship game by a guy that went five and nine in the regular season. So anything can happen. Like you said, if, if you're 0 and 4, 1 and 3, you're definitely not out of it. Still plenty of time in the season to make a comeback. Yes. If you were 5 and 9, you can get very lucky and win the championship. <laughs> yes. That had nothing to do with skill. I'm not giving that guy any credit. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that thing being said, though, um, this is definitely the about the time in your, the seasons in Dynasty Leagues where teams start deciding this is when they're going to just sell out for next year and start rebuilding. Um, so, and this is also where teams who are contenders like, oh, I'm going to go all in. So this is when you start seeing some trade talks happening. The action starts happening in your Dynasty League. Uh, the only reason I say that is get involved, be active, start reaching out to these teams because the worst thing that happens, especially in Dynasty, when you see a trade go down that you thought, oh, I would have offered more than that or I, why didn't I know about that? So you got to get involved, reach out to the, the teams that you think may be tanking um, and just, just get after it. But listen to this podcast. Hopefully uh, we'll give you some information of who to be reaching out to. But with that being said, oh, Joe, you want to jump in real quick? No, I would just say like, what I try and do is just kind of take a look at my team and evaluate the the future of some of the guys. And, you know, like any team can win in any given year. But if you have guys on your team that are, you know, like Travis Kelsey's, I actually I put Travis Kelsey on the trade block in a league that I'm in. I put Austin Eckler on the trade block in a league that I'm in. I find myself a contender in that league. But also, you know, you also have to consider that the assets are or some of the assets on your team are reaching expiration and you, you want to also try to capitalize before they, their value kind of plummets. So it's, it's the fun of playing dynasty, but just kind of make sure you're taking a look at your league and, and your, your team and where you are in the league standings and, and uh, evaluating the, the kind of course you want to take for the future. Cause if you just do nothing like Dave said, and let it sit, you, you could stay in purgatory forever and you also won't have any fun. Yeah, being stagnant in dynasty is the death of your team. You gotta, you gotta be active, um, and th- and kind of to the point too. Uh, I've been hearing this on uh, the fantasy football as, as well. You, this is when you start should start seeing consolidation of veterans on contender teams and younger talent on the rebuilding team. So you start seeing those shifting of assets and in, in ages <laughs> moving from one team to another. Yeah, yeah. 
but with that said, we're going to dive in. Uh, like As I mentioned, we are four weeks in uh, and look back a little bit of what happened in week four. Uh, every week, there are injuries that do occur. It's the uh, brutal reality of the NFL. But with that, that does provide potential opportunities for certain players to step up. But it also does change the dynamic of other teams as well, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the uh, bad. So I'm going to run through some names and kind of see what maybe the impact some of these players could be. So T. Higgins got some fractured ribs. Uh, He could miss a couple weeks, could miss no time. This is kind of a pain tolerance thing, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. Kenny Pickett uh, had a knee injury. People thought he was out for the year, then thought for a few weeks, and now he might play. So uh, we'll see what goes on, but it did not look good when he was on the field healthy. So we'll see what happens with a, uh, a hampered Kenny Pickett. Pat Fryermuth will not be there for Kenny Pickett. He is probably going to miss about two to three weeks with a hamstring. Mike Evans, he's on bye, so he does have time to recover, but he had a minor hamstring injury. He, he was seen on a, uh, a bike trying to get back in the game, so it doesn't look like it could be too bad, and maybe the bye is enough to get him back in the field. Javante Williams had a hip flexor. Could miss no time. Uh, maybe it, or at most, he'll miss maybe a week or so. Uh, there's a, a name a lot of people I think uh, – Mick, I don't even want to say the guy's name, Malalki, and I don't know. What, there's a, another guy who's very fast on uh, the Broncos team that people are picking up, but we'll see if uh, Javante actually misses any time there. Justin Herbert fran- fractured a finger on his left non-throwing hand. Uh, he's on bye. should be okay. He has actually played out the rest of the game, so no real concerns there. Uh, I'm Ron St. Brown. Uh, he was dealing with turf toe, but apparently it's the abdomen now he missed practice on. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Kyron Williams, uh, he played into overtimes, but apparently got injured late in the game uh, with a hip contusion. Um, so we'll see if he can go this week. He did miss practice. But coming back, you got uh, Jonathan Taylor is coming back. Uh, well, at least designated for return in practice today. And then Cooper Cup was also designated to return and to start practicing these Players both have a 21-day window to get back on the field and be active, but we'll see what happens. So, Joe, uh, what are some, I guess, uh, takeaways or, or players you, you want to call out of situations that are going to change or the major impacts from here? Yeah, so looking at the list, I think the one that kind of sticks out to me to have the most impact here because he is in a situation where his injury concerns me and he's actually producing is Mike Evans. Uh, he's had a history of these hamstring or in general kind of soft tissue injuries in the past that have sidelined him for two, three, four, five weeks at a clip. Um, It's great that they have the bye because I'm sure he would try and get back out there next week. If they were playing the the issue here is just re-injury. And then if he ends up with the more severe hamstring strain, and then you're, you're losing him for three or four weeks, obviously it creates opportunity for, uh, the Chris Godwins of the world, but uh, if you're counting on Mike Evans, you're really hoping that this is not something that lingers. Um, T. Higgins, you know, I think the, the whole Bengals offense is in some trouble. Uh, Pickett and Fryermuth are, again, the offense is not really doing much to begin with. And, and you know, like, I'm just going to say it. I, 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 does Javante Williams stink low-key this season so far? I mean, honestly, uh, there was a lot of hype in the preseason. I bought in in one of my leagues, 
And I'm just like, he's hurt. And maybe that's a blessing because I can stick him on my bench and I can get somebody like Tutu Atwell in the flex who's actually scoring fantasy points. So, uh, I mean, he looks healthy. It doesn't appear to be an injury-related situation. But I am not losing any sleep taking him out of my lineup. So Yeah, I I agree because I have him a lot places too. And I want him because he's playing and you're like, oh, he's just putting back out. That's what he is. But I don't know if he's fully back to Javante yet. I mean, the recovery he had was miraculous as it is. But, yeah, I I, got to stop starting him until I start seeing something. The second he went out, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin went in there. McLaughlin. I couldn't get it. And put up like 70 or 80 yards and scored a touchdown. And... Samaj P. Ryan is also probably burnt toast at this point. So if if you ask me, like I, I think it's a situation where McLaughlin has the burst and the other two guys don't. And that's who I would want at this point, right? Going into waivers this week, he's the guy who I would have wanted to get of of the two between he and P. Or Ryan. Or just Marvin Mims. Start the Mims. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's another situation. <laughs> And I'll just take the other side of it, Um, you know, JT and Cooper Cup coming back. I think it's interesting to see what happens with them because, you know, to start the season, they're both superstars expected to make huge waves, but their teams have actually had a lot of production from guys in their positions. You know, Zach Moss has produced with JT out. You know, will they continue to use Zach Moss or does JT just take a full down you know, three back roll again. And and same thing with Cooper cup. They've, you know, had some other receivers step up. So does he come in and automatically get all the targets that he's used to getting, or do they keep two, two and Puka involved? Uh, and that'll, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I swear Cooper cup heard us last week when I said, I'm like, I haven't heard anything about him. I don't think he's <laughs> yeah. coming back. He's like, Oh, Oh really? Uh, and then also news started breaking. Uh, the JT one's weird because like, is he going to play for – like, the, they still don't know what the situation with that's going to be, if he is going to play, if he wants to get traded. Um, so, it is murky. Like, if he gets traded, Zach Moss wheels up still for the rest of the season. But uh, definitely, uh, that'll be – I'm, I don't have any shares, so I'm like, fine. I'm just going to watch and let it happen. I have no Zach Moss or no JT, so it's purely entertainment for me. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was a situation where he goes out there and, and plays – and then you, and then he kind of like you see him kind of hampered on the injury report every week, and plays actually turns out to be more like, you know, barely plays but still accrues his 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 year, his league year, which is important obviously from a contract perspective. But I don't know. A lot of the updates have been coming from the Colts and not from JT, so I'd be interested to hear an update from him that says he's actually going to play football for the Colts. but And that's a good call. To, to accrue a year, he has to play six games um, this season. So he does have – he can't sit out the whole season. He'll st- be still under contract. But if he plays six games, then he will be a free agent. Yeah. Um, with that, though, I guess we there was a lot of football to be played. There were some big performances. We'll, we'll definitely get into some uh, some key names a little bit later, but – I guess overall, what were uh, certain games or, or teams that you saw that kind of stood out, maybe made a statement, or good or bad, uh, I'll just call out right now, the Giants stink on ice, uh, and I am no longer having any hope there. So, uh, dead inside, uh, moving on. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
Ryan, if you if there was any uh, certain games that kind of stood out or, or performances you saw that uh, you think uh, really changed your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think we could start with the Bills-Dolphins game just because that was probably the most hyped-up game of the week. And, you know, the Bills put on a pretty dominating performance, a 48-20 win. Josh Allen and Diggs both had huge, huge fantasy weeks, um, which is always great to see. Um, you know, I, I leave it to you guys. I was curious, do you think it was more of the Bills are really that good or the Dolphins were a little overrated going into that, having put up 70 points? Uh, my my thought is that it, it it was probably the spot more than anything else, right? Like the Bills are at home and they have the extra motivation of hearing how Miami is now like the team to beat in the division. And Miami's coming off a 70-point you know, drudging of Denver. So it, to me, it feels like maybe the spot and I, I like, you know, I still, I think what'll happen is, you know, like for the rest, for the, like, you know, for the rest of the season from like a power ranking perspective, you know, I, I still say Buffalo is, you know, marginally better than Miami. I don't think they're significantly better just as a, as a result of this particular game. Um, Although it's nice to see that when the Bills care, they still kind of have it in them. I think that was like something that we talked about earlier in the season where like Josh Allen was just kind of like going through the motions. And when you've made deep playoff runs for like, you know, years consecutively, but you haven't gotten to win a Super Bowl, you can kind of like get bored out there. Uh, so when the Bills are trying hard, which they clearly were trying hard this week. Yeah. Yep. They're still they getting yeah. yeah, and I will say the the one other thing that we didn't mention when we talked about injuries, you know, Tredavious White going down for the Bills. I think you know we don't talk a lot about the defensive side, but that is a huge injury for them, and I do think kind of hurts their Super Bowl aspirations going forward. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean that defense is still very very strong, and I think that's an edge the Bills have over the Dolphins. But obviously, losing a player like White. That changes how you scheme for in in like the plays that you call from the defensive side. Um, but to Joe's point, like Josh Allen and the rest of the offense and Diggs, like they they look fired up. Like they had an extra motivation, and it's exciting to see because when they are on, like they they're one of the most fun teams to watch too. It's just like so exciting. Um, and Josh Allen, I would take. And I'm not just me. It's not a bull take. Every single person would probably take Josh Allen over Tua, and I think. That also kind of gives them the leg up um, in like the power rankings if you're comparing the two. Joe, what about you? Any uh, any games that stood out to you? Yeah, you know, um, I guess the two teams that kind of stick out um, are Cincinnati and Philadelphia. I think um, Philly. Uh, I mean, as a Giants fan and just in general, not. Not a not a particular not someone who's particularly fond of of Philadelphia. I think that they're being undervalued right now a little bit in the media. I think part of the dialogue and a lot of what I'm listening to and content that I'm consuming is kind of like what's wrong and why they haven't looked like they looked last year. But last year, I think maybe was the exception in terms of just the way they would dominate teams in the first half, um, and they still have some uh, ground, I think, to make up this year relative to last year on the defensive side. I think their linebackers seem to be slower this year, and I think that's the area where they're kind of 
the hole right now on the defense. But just because they're not blowing teams out, the offense is still impressing me quite a bit. Every time DeAndre Swift touches the ball, he's going for six or seven plus yards. Um, he's been, I mean, if he can stay healthy, which has always been the thing with, with DeAndre Swift, I mean, he he looks great. He doesn't even just look good. He looks very, very, very good. And looks very swift. If, yeah. Like if to the will. point where, like coming out of week one, we were like, oh, wow, you know, like Kenny Gainwell is the lead back here. And then Kenny Gainwell misses week two and Swift puts up a really strong performance. And now Kenny Gainwell's probably getting like 30% of snaps. You know, like it's, you can't possibly go away from somebody who's playing that well. And, um, you know, I think that their passing game, Sands, Dallas, Goddard, looks great. I mean, Devonta <laughs> okay. Smith is doing Devonta Smith things. A.J. Brown is doing A.J. Brown things. Um, you know, I think like part of what I was hearing on like the Bill Simmons podcast is like, you know, bad play, bad play, bad play, and then a bomb to A.J. Brown. That's not really what's happening. It's actually it's it's been better than that. So I, I think that I think that for a team that is was in a tough spot coming into the season with that Super Bowl losing hangover situation, right? A lot of teams in that situation do have it down, like do do kind of step back the year after. Uh, the fact that they are still kind of piecing it together, have been dealing with some injuries on defense and are still 4-0, I think they're yeah, in I, a good spot. I'd, I, be, I, I'd be happy if I was an Eagles fan. Yeah, I mean... We're Giants fan, so I'd be happy to be almost any other fan. But uh, yeah, the, I think the difference in County Point, they're they're obviously still one of the best teams in the league, but the defense is just not like last year. The defense was like silly dominant. They're just not that right now. The, the D line is strong, the but the secondary has been hampered with injuries. That like they're getting beat up on passes, which that did not happen last year. You can throw all over them. Like Sam Howell looked great against them. Uh, I, I do think Sam Howell's improved, but again, like. He would not have done that last year. And I don't think the talent is as off. I think it's the offensive coordinator change. Uh, I don't think that the play calling is as great, but also like, and I've been saying too, Jalen Hurts doesn't look as explosive and dominant, but he's also learning now a new offense. So that could be part of why he's a little bit uncomfortable um, is because of that change. And that, and that is like a thing that happens to a lot of quarterbacks. So, Again, they didn't lose talent on the offensive side. If anything, they gained it. So I do think throughout the season they should improve. But I think those are probably two main factors on the Eagles side. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, the coordinator stuff on both sides of the ball is tough. Yeah. And then I know you mentioned the Bengals. They are just broken. I don't know, like, yeah, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon, to be honest. I, I think you almost have to write this year off as – if you're if you're in the Bengals organization, and if you're a fantasy manager who was counting on Bengals players to carry your team this year, I, I just I don't think that they're going to get better until Burrow has time to to, to actually heal. I'm not sure that he's actually going to heal going out there and playing every week. Maybe maybe miraculously after another five or six weeks of mediocrity, he starts to get to the point where he can throw the ball downfield again and, and put, starts putting up numbers. But I think the more likely scenario is they lose a couple more games and then he goes on the IR for four weeks. Maybe he doesn't even come back at all the rest of the season. You know, they might just take this year as a, as an old red shirt, which is unfortunate, but um, you know, now T Higgins is dealing with rib issues and yeah, it's just, 
It's not a good situation. Uh, you know, I think. Yeah. They have a week seven bye. I was just looking up. So maybe after that, things turn around. I don't know how long it would take for Burrow to finally get right, but I agree. Like, until he's right, that team is not going to be right. Yeah. And they get the Cardinals this week. So maybe they can, you know, turn it around with a win there. Frisky, but... <laughs> frisky Cardinals. <laughs> not looking so bad either. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it hasn't been great for the Bengals. Yeah. Like, I just think, I for for whatever reason, he can't throw the ball downfield. And what and the defenses know that he can't throw the ball downfield. So they're all just pinning. Like, they can just kind of sit on whatever short routes he actually can throw. And there, no, there's... He also no, can't move in the pocket. Like, he yeah, just is no like a sitting duck. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's brutal. It's tough to watch. It's tough to have on your team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's part of why I am down on my team to do anything this year because I'm going to need more from Jamar Chase that I think he's going to actually be able to give me. I'm assuming, though, long-term in Dynasty, you're not changing your opinion of Jamar Chase. Or Burrow. I actually think there's probably a good opportunity to buy Burrow in Dynasty. um, You know, it it sucks. They should have just put him on the IR at the beginning of the season. Um, not the best, but oh, yeah, this, this is the, the mindset shift in uh, dynasty versus redraft, like Dyn- in redraft. Yes. You probably have to dock those players a little bit, but dynasty, these guys are still elite assets. It's a rough patch. You got to get through it. Uh, if you're a contending team and you feel like this is going to derail it, maybe try to figure out a, a workaround or a stop gap, but these are not guys you just like ship off for nothing. Yeah. A um, couple other quick hitters. Uh, the lines look very strong, uh, which is weird to say, um, but they look like a very good team after dismantling the Packers uh, on Thursday night. And Montgomery, in my opinion, looking like a top 12 back now um, with the workload he's getting. Um, the Bears, um, we're, playing against the Broncos kind of just like helps you, I guess, uh, makes you look real good. Uh, Fields <laughs> had no rushing touchdowns, but he had four passing touchdowns, I think. Uh, and looked very good for most of the game. But in Bears fashion, they still lost. And uh, I believe I saw a stat. The Bears are the only professional team to not have won a single game since Elon Musk completed the sale of Twitter. So uh, that's not not great. Elon is just bad luck for the Bears, I guess. Um, the Rams did win. The Rams are like a surprisingly like decent team. Um, like Kyron, I will like Joe... I was out on it. Joe made one of the savviest moves I've seen ever. Uh, he traded Zamir White for Kyron to like the Josh Jacobs owner in our other dynasty league. Uh, and Kyron's looking like currently to the state, like you would have taken him with one of your first five picks and redraft if you knew you were going to get production. Like if you just removed the name and said, this is production you get, Kyron is, is showing out. And then obviously Puka's dominating. So uh, the Rams look great. Uh, Tampa Bay is looking surprisingly strong uh, with Baker at the helm um, going into New Orleans and winning like and, and uh, Baker over car right now seemed crazy before, but is easily take Baker over car at this moment. Um, Carr's just killed Olave and saw some crazy catch. And like, I'm, I know Joe's going to touch upon this later, but the Kamara catches to yards, I think is record breaking. I don't think anyone has ever had that much yardage with that many, like little yardage with that many catches before. I think it was like half uh, before. So it wasn't even close. Um, Texans look great. We'll get into that later. Uh, Patriots don't. They stick. They stick. (laughs) 
Every I, Patriot. There's like not a useful Patriot out there. I had them plus seven every which way last weekend. And it was, they were in that game for like probably six fucking minutes of yeah. real time, not even of game time. By, <laughs> by 12 minutes to go in the first quarter, I knew I was dead. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, uh, Harry was letting us know that was just, that team is just not good. Uh, just, and that, on the defense side, they were strong and I think they lost, just lost Judon. So that, yeah, they're going to They apart. lost one of their other uh, safeties or cornerbacks. Can't, can't, yeah. The guy's name uh, escapes me at the moment. But, yeah, it's um, – we're all hoping for uh, Bailey Zappi actually getting the start, right? I mean, I haven't – I would I haven't, love Zappi. I haven't heard anything. But it seemed like when they brought him in there, he was actually moving the ball around a little bit more than Mac was. So, it's, I mean – Offense isn't moving, so yes, anyone moving the ball would be an improvement. Um, yeah. But one thing, real quick, just it's 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 tough to to blame Mac when you look at the the weapons he's throwing the ball to. I mean, he yes. Mac Mac he stinks, but he looks like an accountant if coming you, from if, people who studied accounting. Yeah, right. Like he, the the odds are severely severely stacked against him when he's got you know like Kendrick Bourne and. Devontae yeah. Parker. Or Devontae Parker, like being dragged out there to, to catch balls for him. So. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't look good, but you know, who does look good is the 49ers. Uh, at, like, every, like really just, it's it's crazy. They just consolidated to CMC, just everything. I was playing against CMC in a redraft, and it was a very frustrating to see, like, all the plays go to him. But I'll get into that later. But another player, too, if it wasn't CMC, it was a little sprinkling out of Ayuk, who is looking very, very good. Um, the Jets honestly looked like better. <laughs> I wish a, a, the Giants looked as good as the Jets looked. Basically, uh, the Jets looked pretty solid. Zach Wilson put on a, a good showing. Uh, might be streamable because he's playing the the Broncos, who I, I, I mentioned. So uh, I know one of our league mates is going to be starting Zach Wilson. It'll be entertaining to see how that comes out. And the Chiefs honestly don't look elite. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that. They they're not bad, but they're not elite. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know if the Jets are really any good, but you know, I think it's more that the Chiefs just aren't as good as we're used to. I mean, literally, their wide receiver core is just almost non-existent outside of Kelsey. Um, so I, I think the Chiefs are just having a very beatable year, and they don't look like the Chiefs that we've been used to for the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, and I mean, with the Chiefs, right, they're going to go as Mahomes goes, and Mahomes just, you know, he's human. He just had a – he pooped his pants a little on – Yeah, on, couple, on he threw a couple, couple of ducks. It was just like, what Taylor was that Swift was up there, and, you know, Ryan Reynolds was up there, and he just – he couldn't handle it. He pooped in his pants, but they still got the win, and the defense, I think, is better uh, yeah. in Kansas City than Previous it has years, been. For sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that might be the difference, but – yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they're a playoff team. It's just that you, when you go out, you thought they were going to smash that game and uh, it didn't happen. But speaking of smash, uh, we are starting up a new segment on how we're going to run through players. We got some uh, awards, some superlatives, if you will, to make things a little bit more fun. So we're going to do this each week, hopefully. Uh, it's a work in progress, but uh, yeah, see how it goes. So uh, first award, we're calling the Smash Williams Award. It's the week win stud. Uh, I'm going to just throw this one out because I alluded to it before. Christian McCaffrey, easy call. Uh, 
he just went bonkers. Uh, if you played against him, you're acutely aware of how <laughs> bonkers he went. Um, you, if you own him, there's like a 90% chance you probably won. Uh, the whole offense was basically running through him. He had 20 rushes, 106 yards, and three touchdowns. But, oh, wait, he also had eight targets for seven <laughs> receptions, 71 yards, and another touchdown. Uh, I was watching the game, and it was like, Every play, I was just, oh, there's Christian McCaffrey making another play. Oh, and scoring another touchdown. That's great. Uh, and he could even had a fifth touchdown. They if they gave Brock Purdy a QB uh, sneak, basically, to get a, another touchdown, which, honestly, I, I feel like they just knew that like they were giving the mercy call on my team at that point because uh, that probably should have gone uh, to CMC. Uh, but, yeah, smash one and one. I'm giving it to CMC. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm giving mine to Josh Allen. You know, he did what CMC couldn't do. He actually scored five touchdowns. So, uh, you know, four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. He had 46 and a half fantasy points in week four. You know, usually we see fantasy points like that from a quarterback when they have a lot of rushing yards. And he actually only had 17 rushing yards. So, you know, he hit almost 50 fantasy points with 17 rushing yards. Uh, Pretty impressive if you had him. You know, same as CMC, you you probably won, maybe unless you were going against CMC. Um, but, you know, most analysts had Mahomes over him at first overall in Dynasty Superflex rankings coming into the season. But, you know, I think right now it's Allen. And for anyone that took him first overall, they've been rewarded so far. Uh, Are you talking about yourself, Ryan? Maybe talking about myself. Let's go Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah, you, Jeff? He's going to run the ball. Like, I like, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like every year he goes into the season saying he's going to run the ball less. And then every year he continues to run the ball. He's, like he's addicted to run the ball. He doesn't just run it. He like seeks out contact and leaps over people. That's why he's so entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm going to go with um, AJ Brown uh, just because I feel like you've kind of been waiting for this type of game. It's funny, like. Even le- after last week, which is kind of a ridiculous thing to say, one of my brothers who was an A.J. Brown owner in redrafts was was saying to me, you know, is A.J. Brown ever going to do anything? And, you know, it's tough to say that after a 14-target, 9-reception game. But then he comes out this week, 13 more targets, 9 more receptions, 2 touchdowns. Uh, he looks great. And after that weird um, Thursday night, game against Minnesota where he only had six targets and, um, you know, it was kind of um, making his voice heard a little bit about that. You know, the uh, the squeaky wheel, as always, gets the grease. And with 27 targets over the last two games, I think he is going to continue to get fed the ball. So if you have A.J. Brown, you're 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 very happy right now. I'd say so. So you're saying your brother did this. Noted. Yeah, not, yeah, this is Anthony in <laughs> redraft. Who, who, who uh, you know, I mean, not that it matters. Nobody really cares about other somebody. Anthony's fault. He... Yeah. I mean, I told him to draft Herbert over Fields in the first round. He didn't listen. And then I told him to draft A.J. Brown. He did listen, and he was chirping in my ear because A.J. wasn't get, getting it done. But he's getting it done. There it is. The next award we're calling the He's All That. It's a solid depth piece player who may actually turn out to be a stud, you know, kind of like the girl who took off her glasses and let her hair down is actually a smoke show. So, uh, Rob, why don't you start off with who you are giving the He's All That award to? 
Yeah, so I gave it to Romeo Dobbs. He's currently wide receiver 15 on the year. He received 13 targets in week four, which led to 14 fantasy points, even though Christian Watson was back. Um, He had 12 targets the week before that. He appears to have great chemistry with Jordan Love. And, you know, Jordan Love, you know, who was also drafted as a starter, but has also kind of surprised me. Um, So even if Watson eats into some of his targets going forward, I still think he remains pretty relevant. And, you know, he was drafted in a really, really late round. He was drafted in the 13th round and ours, you know, was considered nothing more than a bench option. So uh, to have him sitting at wide receiver 15 right now, and it looks like he should still be targeted pretty heavily moving forward. Uh, He's all that. (laughs) I agree with that one. Um, I'm going to go with Adam Thielen, actually, who I know it doesn't feel good to put anyone from the Carolina Panthers in your lineup right now Um, with the type of quarterback play that they've had. I'm sure that Harry and Dan are are hoping to see a little bit more out of Bryce Young. And uh, if not, then I'm kind of hoping to see a little bit more of the red rifle out there. Ooh, Andy Dalton. <laughs> but uh, Dylan has been effective. I mean, he he, he had a little uh, poopy pants week one. But uh, since week one, he's averaging 10 targets a game. Um, eh, a decent 10 or so yards per catch. Um, he's had two touchdowns. And he, you know, like, let's not forget, right? He's... He's been a, a fantasy stud many times in the past, right? The, the last, you know, four or five years in Minnesota, he's been a very, very strong fantasy asset. And I think he was just kind of the old busted this year. So Adam, Adam Dillon's probably one of those guys where if you have him on your dynasty team and your team stinks or you're not going to be a contender, you should 100% be trading him to a contender for some, some sort of, you yes. know, younger value. Yes, that that the consolidation of veterans, that is an exact perfect uh, asset there that should be shifting from a team that's rebuilding to a team that's contending. For me, it's kind of a a, a combo. Uh, I'm leaning more into Nico Collins, but it's very much tied to also CJ Stroud. Uh, Both these guys are looking like very high-end options currently, um, but they were both dropped very late to be more depth bench options. Uh, Nico... First of all, he just went off for seven receptions for 168 and two touchdowns on nine targets. He's currently the wide receiver seven on the year, and he's commanding targets with an absurd 19 and a half yards per catch, which is just crazy. This guy is just bigger than everyone on the field. He was uh, He's always been a Matt Hardman darling uh, and someone who I always drafted as well because uh, I, I'm addicted to those big, fast receivers uh, on the XS, just like a throwback type of player, and he's showing out right now. But the reason why he's also able to show out is C.J. Stroud looks incredible. Um, like, uh, uh, Ohio State quarterbacks have been getting a, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, blowback or because the stigma relates to them because they haven't really showed out in the NFL, and he is completely changing the narrative there. He's uh, on currently on pace to shatter NFL uh, passing uh, uh, records for rookies. The current record is 4,374 by and, uh, Andrew Luck. He's on pace for 5,151 yards uh, through four games, and he has no interceptions and six touchdowns on 151 attempts. He's reading the defense well. He's making credible throws, and he's sustaining fantasy success for these wide receivers, which usually rookie quarterbacks can't do. So, these two guys, 
Cesar Stroud was probably on your taxi squad or maybe your third quarterback because you drafted him rookie uh, draft. And Nico Collins is probably a wide receiver four or five. They are studs now that they are going to be every week play. So they're getting my he's all that award. Moving to the Doug Flutie Hill Mary Award. This is the dart throw streamer that kind of saved the week for you. Kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but going to toss this over to the Rye Dogs first. Yeah, so I wrote down a couple names for this one. Um, you know, I, I initially wrote David Montgomery. Not that he came out of nowhere, but he had 33 fantasy points in week four. That was after he missed week three and was questionable going into the game. So there was a lot of speculation that he would be limited. Uh, I know some people probably even had him on their bench as a result. And it was painful if you did because the Lions gave him a full workload right out of the bat, you know, right first game back. So, um, you know, yeah, he was kind of my my first initial guy. That would be me leaving him on the bench. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I did in one league, league as well. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, he's the first name that came to my mind too for that yeah. same reason. So. Yeah, he um, he wasn't expected to do what he did, but uh, then he got 33 fantasy points from him. So, uh, but then I I decided to also go with Janu Smith, who you know has kind of come out of nowhere here, and to me is a real streamer that could have given you some fantasy success. He had. 15 and a half fantasy points finished as the number three tight end. Uh, he wasn't even on benches to start the season. Kyle Pitts was the clear cut number one tight end, but somehow here we are week four. And not only is he outscoring Pitts, but he was the leading receiver on the Falcons with 95 yards. Um, you know, more than I picked him up last week. He was just floating out there on waivers. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, some people might've picked him up after weeks two and three, cause he did have, some points there, but I doubt anyone actually started him in week four. Um, no, he's John Smith. No one's starting him. Yeah, but if you did, you know, he gave you some great production and going forward, if they keep using him like this, uh, you know, who knows he could be startable. Yeah. I, I picked him up for a, uh, by week fill in, in the dynasty this upcoming week. So, and honestly, yeah, exactly. I feel pretty confident. I'd much rather have him in there than Kyle Pitts right now. We'll yeah, what, is, what is going yeah, on in Atlanta? Non-existent. <laughs> it's crazy. What about uh, you, Joe? Yeah, for me, um, it's probably Khalil Herbert because I just – if it, feel, it felt like a Hail Mary to play Khalil Herbert uh, going into this week after – Half point performances of nine, six, and two points the first three weeks. Hadn't gotten more than nine carries. Had seven the last two weeks, and it's a shame because he when he yeah when he gets the ball, he's running for over five a carry. They just don't give him the ball. They'd rather just. I mean, granted, they're they're usually in a negative game game script, but um, it was good to see him get right against an atrocious Denver defense. Uh, was on the field for twice as many, almost twice as many snaps as he had been in week one. And I, I hope that the Bears will kind of look at this and say, we got to get Khalil Herbert the ball more. Uh, we got to focus a little bit more in the run game, get the ball out of Justin Fields' hands and stop letting him hurt us with his, you know, passing. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just... That's obviously coming from somebody who has some shares of Khalil Herbert and wants to see him succeed. But I, I you know, I, I had zero confidence putting him in the lineup this week, and uh, he came through. 
So. Yeah, I agree with that one. As also someone has uh, multiple shares of uh, Khalil Herbert, he just was a value in drafts and was not looking like that the first three weeks, but hopefully he is now. For me, it's another combo, cheating a little bit, but again, they, these guys feel a little bit tied together. Uh, the main one is is Michael Wilson, uh, rookie wide receiver for the Cardinals. Um, he was a third round rookie. He got a little hype in the pre draft. Oh, he got very little hype in the pre draft. Uh, process before the NFL draft, but after the draft, starting in some hype because when an NFL team uses day two draft capital, you kind of pay attention there. And the wide receiver class, very small. He's not. He's a true receiver at 6'2 and 213 uh, with solid athleticism. And the reason he fell, he had a lot of injuries um, in college at Stanford, but he did produce when he was on the field. And the reason why there was some hype after the draft is you look at the other competition in Arizona, and it's really just Hollywood. There's not other reception, like receiving targets there. Uh, so there's a pretty clear path. And now that's actually coming to fruition. Um, you start seeing his snap count increase over the past three weeks. And this week, finally, I doubt anyone started him, but he got seven targets and he earned those targets. And he went seven for 76 and two touchdowns. And they were very solid routes he ran. The second touchdown, he actually. Uh, split two defenders got hit and going to the end zone. So these are big boy touchdowns. Um, and he actually may even get higher quality targets later in the season. He's going to keep getting more and more targets here, but Kyler maybe come back if and when we don't know still. Um, so those targets could improve by quality, but who knows? Because the other guy, Joshua Dobbs, this guy before the season was definitely on your waivers. I don't care what format. He got traded right before the season start. He is so invaluable that the Cardinals didn't even have his jersey on the customized jersey uh, kiosk at their uh, team store. And he had to literally go on Twitter for them to add it to it. So he was in waivers in his own team, effectively. Um, but he has turned around and made this a very frisky Cardinals team, who was supposed to be the worst uh, team in the NFL. He is currently QB 16, completing 71% of his passes and rushing for at least 40 yards each of the last three weeks. And the last two weeks, we were against two of the most elite defenses in the Cowboys and the 49ers. He's getting the job done, and you just scoop him off for literally nothing, and you could easily throw him in as your QB 2 in a super flex. So uh, those were the Hail Mary dark throws for, for me, the Cardinal boys. Moving on, we got the Ferrari in a trailer park. So despite a bad matchup or situation, whether it be bad QB, bad team, whatever it is, this player still seemingly got the job done um, and, and provided value for you in this past week. And I'll start because um, this is my boy, Sam Howell. Um, I started him last week. was very bad. Uh, he had negative point, uh, four points. So you were definitely expecting this to uh, be another uh, negative game for him going up against what was expected to be a very strong Eagles defense. Um, and I think many people were expecting the Eagles be potentially the top scoring uh, defense in fantasy this week. But not so fast there because Sam Howell, his biggest issue the week before is he kept holding on to the ball for way too long and throwing up ducks when he did get rid of it. Uh, in just a week, he was he got the, the coaching and he seemingly got the ball out of his hands much faster. He, he got sacked nine times last week, still got sacked four times this week. Again, it's a strong D line, but he threw for 
uh, 290 yards and a touchdown on 71% completion rate, and he ran for another 40 yards and six rushing. So he stepped up. He didn't throw any picks. uh, And if you had him, I think he ended up being uh, a very solid QB2. I think he ended up around the QB13 on the week. So definitely a solid, solid contribution from my boy, Sam Howell. But uh, what about you, Joe? Who you got for the Ferrari in Trailer Park? Yeah, it was a good bounce back from hell. It was good to see. Um, I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. Um, he's my Ferrari in a trailer park because the team looked disgusting. Kamara actually looked disgusting. Derek Carr looked very, very injured. And yet he still was targeted 14 times. Um, even if you're only pulling in, you know, two yards per catch, like he pulled in in this game, you're still going to get. Decent points, even in half point per reception leagues. I mean, like fourteen targets is it's is incredible volume for a running back. Um, so it turned out was, to be thirteen catches for thirty three yards too. Just to yeah, put how yeah. how bad that it's is. Incredible, incredible ineptitude. But I think part of it too is the fact that at a certain point the defense realized that Derek Carr couldn't throw the ball and he was just stepping back and checking it down the entire game. Um, but so. Long story short, right? Uh, he's got an AC joint, AC joint sprain car, which is not a long-term injury. So hopefully he's able to get the ball around the field uh, in the near future. If not, hopefully we see James Winston out there who will we'll continue to, to be a pick machine, but he'll also <laughs> get the ball around the field. I, I didn't see it, but I heard he threw one pass in the game, and it was an interception. <laughs> yeah, <Love well>, <laughs> he literally James. took it, and you could just tell he's like, "I'm fucking throwing this I'm down." <laughs> this is my <laughs> chance. Bombs <laughs> <laughs> it up into double coverage. It was the most classic James throw of all. Oh, time. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I think Kamara. It's not always going to be pretty. In fact, this week it was gross. But you could have done a lot worse. So. That's right. What about you, Ry? Yeah, so I went with John Robinson. Uh, he had 16 fantasy points in week four, despite the Falcons losing 23-7. to uh, He had over 100 yards rushing and another 30 yards through the air on five catches. You know, we just talked about the Falcons a little bit earlier. Jonu Smith was the leading receiver. Uh, I feel like this team is a disaster and i watched that whole london game they looked pretty bad ritter had two interceptions one was returned for a touchdown did you watch in toy story mode or real mode (laughs) no i actually watched in real mode but i heard some of you may have watched it in toy story mode yeah well uh, my son doesn't like me watching football a lot uh he wants to watch his own shows but the toy story mode he was into and kept asking for so it was the only way i was able to watch football with him in the room so i mean that's a win-win right you at least can say you watched the game so yeah it was glitchy but it was it was better than nothing yeah i heard it was pretty cool and um i could see kids liking it so um but yeah so he's my ferrari in a trailer park because i feel like the falcons are a mess right now but he's still putting up very serviceable fantasy points for you Oh, yeah. And uh, this week, I think he gets the Texans, who are sieve on the run D, so he <laughs> might go for 200 yards. Yeah. And you can even just see watching the game when he touches the ball, the, the announcer is almost like gas because he's just so electric with the ball in his hands. Yeah, he, he does things you don't expect anyone to do. It's it's incredible. And he's just so powerful with it, too. Like He, uh, he is elite. I, I get why people are talking about him being generational. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, moving down to the next award, this is the 28-3 to award. Uh, the score of the uh, Falcons, which we just talked about, <laughs> and Patriots Super Bowl score at halftime. It's the biggest dead letdown award uh, because, obviously, we all know now they end up losing that game. So, which was the biggest dud or letdown for you, Rye Dogs? I went with Joe Burrow. I know we already talked about him a little bit, and it's most likely due to injury. But the reason I went with him is because I feel like if you own him, you still have to start him, or at least up to this point, you've felt like you have to start him. And if you've started him, you know, he's had zero touchdowns in three out of four weeks. He had four points in week four. And he just doesn't look healthy. So he's currently the QB 31 on the year. Uh, He's just been a huge letdown week after week. And it's tough to sit someone um, that is such a big name and that you invested such high draft capital into. But, you know, I think going forward, you you might have to start considering him if you have another decent option because he just doesn't look healthy out there. I got to ask for... Next week or week five, are we going to start Joe Burrow against the Cards or Zach Wilson against the Broncos? Dude. Both of you guys, who are you starting? I would start Burrow. I think I would too, but that's the thing. It, it's not like a super easy answer. Like, he, 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 there's know? just there's no winning in starting Zach Wilson there. Like, even if you <laughs> yeah. lose it, like, yeah. you're like, oh, it was Burrow. I had to start him. <laughs> He might actually be the only quarterback in the entire league <laughs> who I would start Burrow over at this point. Like I think any other quarterback, I like. There's, there's. See, the thing is, right? Like you'd have to be in a dynasty making that decision. Like I have oh, Burrow yeah. in a dynasty, and I have Garoppolo on the bench, and I'm benching Burrow for Garoppolo. If you're in a redraft, though, there's there are significantly okay. better options on the waiver yeah. wire than than Zach Wilson. So. Burrow is firmly getting attached to the pine until he demonstrates that he can throw touchdowns again. Yeah. And that offense is so sad. Um, Joe, who is your 28 to 3 award? Yeah. So I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs. And I, it's just, I've been very disappointed by everything that I've seen from the Lions' usage of Gibbs so far this season. Um, not necessarily a reflection on the player. He has definitely flashed and his he looks explosive at times. He also looks like he's getting kind of stuffed uh, up, you know, like he's he, he's not a huge back. Right. So they try and run him up the middle and he sometimes uh, doesn't have a, a ton of success. I know overall his yards per carry numbers are in the four or five range, kind of what you like to see. Um, but the usage is what's killing me, right? Like you're talking about a second round draft capital pick in redraft and he's only averaging like between 35 and 40% of snaps when Montgomery's healthy, even in the game Montgomery missed. Uh, he's only, he only played 60% of snaps. Montgomery is getting all the carries inside the goal line. He's getting a significantly more volume. Um, I just think that this offense has a, a a sneaky um, large number of mouths to feed, and when you kind of think about Amon Ross St. Brown and 
Uh, now we're going to add Jamison Williams into the mix and a dominant RB one. And he's not getting many targets. And, Don't worry about it. I'm, maybe, but maybe he does. Right, like two targets. Stop. What, what concerns me about Jamison Williams coming back is like you kind of wanted Jameer Gibbs to play that role. Of yeah. He's only going to get a couple of these like high impact targets that he's hopefully going to turn into explosive plays and or touchdowns for your team. And if now he's sharing those with Jamison Williams, even if there's only four to go around and he's getting, he's going from getting three of them to getting two of them. Like it's not going to be good uh, when he's already, you know, two of the four weeks, he's only gotten two targets. Uh, hasn't scored a touchdown yet. His his highest performance on the season is is at twenty third overall, right? So like the very 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 bottom barrel RB two. Um, and yeah, I mean f- like in redraft, you paid second round draft capital, and he has less half PPR points than Khalil Herbert, who we just talked about. Uh, Zach Moss, Jerome Ford, Rashad White, a lot of like just mediocre shit running backs who went in the mid rounds who you weren't really expecting a lot from and you know i I know it's a long season but what what this kind of reminds me of a little bit is uh the rams backfield i don't know what the actual year was but when cam Akers was a rookie there was a lot of cam Akers hype coming out of camp and um he ended up getting drafted pretty high i mean not second round high but he ended up getting drafted pretty high and then daryl henderson ended up just kind of dominating the carries and the touchdowns and everything all season and then in the playoffs acres was a stud and going into the next season it was like oh acres is going to be like you know the 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 you know one of the top running backs and then he tore his ACL or towards Achilles in camp. And here we are with acres, but I think it's a similar, it could be a similar situation where you don't, where you're frustrated by Gibbs during the season and then end of season playoffs into next year. He finally kind of gets involved more in the offense to, to do a little bit more, but right now he's just a small piece of the pie, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I own Monty everywhere. Uh, I think it like a hundred percent on it percent ownage, I think. Uh, so I've been very happy with this. Uh, but it does stink seeing a player that electric, not getting the usage, especially when you saw the reaction they had when they drafted him makes no sense for me. It, uh, the 28 to three award is going to Jordan Addison, who just put up a goose. Uh, he had one target and didn't catch it. Uh, so it gave you zero points and, Made no sense because this looks like a, a matchup that he should have feasted on. The Panthers D in the secondary is not overly strong. You're not really scared of it. And Cousins started the game with a pick six. So they were behind. They had to throw. Um, and they just didn't to Addison. It made no sense uh, what was going on there. The, the somewhat alarming thing there, too, is that there was a significant drop in his snap percentage, too. The first three weeks, it, it kept increasing from 56 to 69 to 71 and then drop down to 58. So he wasn't a overly high usage, but that that's like somewhat healthy from a rookie. But it, it's weird to see that step back in that game script and that low of usage. Um, I'm not overly concerned long-term, but definitely not what you want to see because uh, I thought this was going to be potentially one of his biggest outputs of the year. And then just an honorable mention, Chris Olave went one for four on six targets, but that's more – Car, as we kind of mentioned, because he was just throwing, I think, negative yard passes to Kamara because uh, 
he just can't get it down uh, to Olave and Olave feast on the air yardage. So, uh, yeah, that, that was just bad. But hopefully better days are ahead for Olave. I think the only thing I'll add on Addison, though, Dave, is I, I think Carr only completed like 10 passes or something like that. So it, there should definitely be some cousins you mean? for him. Or cousins, sorry. Yeah. yeah. He only completed like 10 or 12 passes that whole entire game. So um, I think that's part of it. But Cous- like cousins was bad. So, yeah, cousins was bad. So yeah. Somehow won that game, but they, yeah, they're bad. Um, the last award that we have is the You're Not, you're that, not guy. that Guy, pal. Trust me. You're Not That Guy. Yeah, this is a performance that was just so bad that we are now reassessing their value going forward. Um, I'll start off real quick. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson. I'm a Mondre guy. I have a lot, so this hurts a lot. Um, he just has not been good this year. He's averaging 2.73 yards per carry on 60 attempts. He hasn't eclipsed 60 yards rushing yet in a single game. Um, last year, he averaged 4.95 yards per carry on 210 attempts. And the year before, it had been four, a little over four and a half yards per attempt. So the efficiency is just gone this year so far. Um, and you also compare that against his running mate, Zeke, who's much older. Same offensive line. He's averaging 4.06 yards per carry. So something's off there. Obviously, Ramondre is getting a little bit more work. But still, Zeke's getting it done and Ramondre's not. You're also not seeing the targets that... Ramondre was getting last year. That was a big part of his game. He was getting all the receptions, all the checkdowns. The past three games, his target totals were three, four, and three. And he only caught 60% of those too. So you're not getting the, the half point or full point PPR points that you expect to get out of Ramondre. He, he has had a very rough uh, schedule to start and he doesn't stop this week against the Saints. So maybe Better days are ahead, but I am very, very concerned when I thought at first you had, at the very least, a mid to potentially upside RB1. He's looking, you're hoping, more of an RB2 going forward. So he's getting my you're not that guy award. What about uh, what about you, Rai? Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with you there on Stevenson. Uh, we actually traded him away for Madison, um, you know, hoping we were getting an upgrade there, but Madison also hasn't looked that great himself. So it's kind of a wash. But he's looked better than Stevenson. He's looked better than Stevenson. But he's had more than six yards rushing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for my you're not that guy, I went with the Jones brothers because both of them have just looked terrible. So we'll start with Mac Jones. He was serviceable through three week three, but week four was bad. He finished with negative fantasy points, and he was actually benched in the blowout loss. He threw two interceptions before he was benched. We talked about it a little bit already. You know, maybe Zappi comes in, but they did announce he'll remain the starter for now, so we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, it seems like he's fighting for his job. And then Daniel Jones. Breaks my heart. Yikes. (laughs) That one hurts me as well. Obviously, I was super high on him. I thought... I really thought he was going to have like a top five year, but boy, was I wrong. He's had three out of four weeks with less than five fantasy points. But that one week, QB1, just just saying. But that's really just a huge second half against the Cardinals, so I don't know if we can really count that for too much. Um, But yeah, I mean, week four, two interceptions, no touchdowns, fumbled, was sacked 11 times. Um, And, you know, he was forgiven by a lot of people for weeks one and three because he went against the 49ers and the Cowboys, who are great defenses. But you have to start to wonder if last year was more of 
a fluke and he's actually not that good. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame D- Daniel Jones completely. The offensive line is like an utter mess. Like he has no time yeah. to do anything. He, he doesn't have really any true weapons to throw to. It's all slot receivers. But he's also been making mistakes, not reading things. And part of it, it's you feel like when you've been tackled that many times and sacked that many times, you start speeding up the game a bit too much, and you're not thinking it straight. So, and that's kind of what you saw, like on that pick six at the game. He's just like he just knows he's going to get tackled, so he just has to throw yeah. it out. Still, not what you want to see uh, at a, at a, your franchise, current franchise quarterback. Uh, it's it's just painful. It's crazy that 14 out of the 16 quarters this year, like the Giants are just the worst stats ever. I think they led for 19 seconds all season so far. Like it's just insane this, the bad stats that the Giants have right now. Something like yeah, they've led for 19 seconds, which somehow they won the game, but. Yeah, they, they've left for 19 seconds in four weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, it's gross. I hate it. It's, I hate it's, it so much. It's it's so weird, too, because, I mean, I'm going to reserve judgment on Jones until they get Andrew Thomas back. Um, they also lost their, I mean, rookie. He's a rookie. The guy's playing center for them. Um, he ended up go- going down in the first quarter of the game against Seattle. Yep. Um. So, you know, early in the game, they had Waller kind of in the backfield doing a lot of blocking, which looked seemed to be working. Um, so, look, you can't telegraph the pa- passes to your first read like he did on the interception. And, I mean, obviously, he should know at this point of his career to be scrambling with two hands on the ball when he's like the, has the most lost fumbles of any quarterback since he came into the league. But, uh, yeah, the pass protection is... When he's throwing the ball, when he has time to throw the ball, he looks good. But it's just, yeah. Uh, he's another one where, you know, I don't know what the situation with Andrew Thomas is. I know he had that weird, um, he practiced limited on Thursday and then didn't pra- didn't practice at all Friday. So it was like, did he re-aggravate? Did he just get out there and realize that the hammy wasn't good to go? Um, so I, unless they're playing a team that has absolutely no, uh, ability to rush the passer then you're probably putting him on the bench for the for the near term too i'm pretty sure every team can rush the passer against the chance unfortunately <laughs> someone's going to be able to yeah um yeah so for me uh rather than to pick specific guys i just kind of call this my my shit list of the week i think maybe we'll keep this going as a recurring segment and these are guys that i would Toss in the trash bin, not have on your roster compost yeah, or, or under <laughs> under any circumstance until further notice. And I want you guys to let me know if you agree, right? Like, do these guys like to me? None of these guys deserve a roster spot uh, under any circumstance right now. So, number one, Kyle Pitts. What do we think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, yes. Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, redraft. But yeah, so. I no, mean, redraft. I, I I don't need him in redraft. Yeah, yeah. No. honestly, in dynasty, I'm um if he's if he puts up like a big week with a touchdown or two, like I might I might try and sell because it's concerning. It was like you know for a while it was free Kyle Pitts, and now it's like, well, John Smith seems to be a lot more open, and maybe it's a maybe it's a Kyle Pitts thing. I feel like it's more of the routes that they're running. I think John is just running shorter routes that they're thrown to, where Kyle Pitts is like running 
downfield. He's downfield more. And Desmond Ritter like, is. Yeah, and Ritter can't hit it. So like, he that's especially really what's happening. He's the worst quarterback in the league. He's the second quarterback that I would start Joe, Joe Burrow over in the <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah, uh, that's he, what I would. He stinks. Yeah. Cal uh, Pitts just uh, needs to be on a different team. But yeah. yeah. Number I mean, two how, on the shit uh, list. Uh, Go ahead, no, go ahead. For Pitts, though, like when does that even change? You know, like if you have him in Dynasty, like are you just going to sit around and wait for a couple of years? I, I just I, I would I don't if know. I couldn't get value in a trade. But he, what, he's like 22, 23 years old. So like he's got a decade in the of NFL in him still. As long as prime of being like Kyle Pitsy, like what he was supposed to be coming out of college, like that athletic wide receiver. Like another seven years. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's going to be in this garbage Atlanta offense for another. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You're you're stuck. Desmond Ritter won't be. He like there's no possible way. I would put a a million dollars that he will not be the starting quarterback for the Falcons or any team next year. So you just got to hope that the situation improves in the near term. Dave, Dave yeah. wants to take that bet. <laughs> uh, I hope. I hope so. I have Pitts in another dynasty league, and I paid up a lot to get him. So I kind of need this to turn out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Raiders stinks. Uh, next on the shit list, Van Jefferson. I mean, this guy is on the field for like ninety percent of snaps, and he's like third year in the offense, fourth year in the offense. You think he would have some sort of a rapport, a rapport with? Matt Stafford, and he he just stinks. He can't get open. When he does get open, he drops the ball. Get him off my team. Josh Kelly stinks. Oh. They have these they have these like backs that I've never heard of before in my life. They sound like they came in off the street, uh, just gouging uh, Vegas for 20, 30, 40 yards last week, and then they bring Josh Kelly in, and he looks Dude, like I, he's running in quicksand. I, I had Josh Kelly for the – Past, but not this past week, but the two weeks before that, thinking it would be great, especially against the Vikings. Started in both those weeks, did nothing. I didn't even care who I was picking yeah. up. I was like, this guy is just getting dropped. I am not ever playing this guy ever again. Get him out of here. And that's kind of what we saw from him the last couple years when he had the opportunity. Um, I almost put Josh Palmer on the list instead. He's like on the verge of being yeah. on my shit list because he's another one who consistently gets the opportunity. And it's just he's the wide receiver enough. version of Josh Kelly. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like it, I cannot possibly think of a of a soundbite. I, I put no. Yeah, I was not trying to pick up Josh. I've done this before. I know what yeah. he does. It's just it's, you, you keep starting because like he should be good. Like the matchup's great. He's, there's no one else. No, he yeah. is just bad at football. Uh, next on the list, Dalvin Cook, a, another one who looks like he's running in quicksand. Like he looks like he has like 30 pound weights tied to his ankles. He is just not only is he slow and uh, in a situation where he's going to be in like weird game script for the entire season. But so here's the thing about Cook, right? Like if you're you're either starting him this week against Denver or you're cutting him and you're and you're never never looking back, right? Like if you have him and he's on your bench and you're not playing him this week, then with four teams on by and the best possible running back matchup of all time, then cut him, let him go. So I, I mean, I personally think he's toast. I didn't even bother putting him on the trade block in my dynasty where I have him because I don't. What can I get for him at this point? Like a fucking fourth round pick at best. I just I think he's done. I, I'd rather have a fourth. 
<laughs> yeah, he's cooked. <laughs> yeah. And last but not least, and this one might be a little harsh, but Antonio Gibson. Yeah, the guy, the guy's killing me. I mean, like uh, Brian yeah. Robinson looks significantly better. Gibson is dropping the ball. He's running into the quarterback. Can't he had get a so clean much hype going into the season too. Yeah, I know. I had him in redraft, and I actually did just drop him. So I yeah. completely agree with that one. He, he, you can't start him right now. So yeah, you know what are you going to do with him? It's yeah. tough when you see a running back in the same offense having so much success. And you're just like, honestly, yeah. like you're running behind the same line, you're running the same plays. So you must just not be good. Yep. Yeah. So that concludes my shit list of the week. And uh, we'll be back next week for yeah. the next installment of, you know, Joey's shit list of the week. Yeah. I hope, I hope everyone enjoyed that uh, segment. That was, I thought that was pretty fun myself. We'll get some fun drops in there. Um, <laughs> now uh, moving over, um, just, Give a quick update on how the, our league uh, of record, the uh, non-stop fantasy weekly dynasty league, is progressing. Um, an update on the high and low through week four. Uh, week four, the Wilkinson brothers actually put up the highest score of the week with 165. And Clark and Sauce, that's what I'm calling them now, um, put up the low with 82. But neither of those scores were able to take over the lead in those respective categories. The top score still goes to Kropa with 177. And the Wilkinson brothers still have the low with 63. So I'm telling you, that is going to be a hard low to beat. But with guys coming up, we'll start seeing what happens. That that's my hope. We've we've had two teams close the last two weeks, and that's without buys. So you know, I'm hoping with some bye weeks, someone someone my, will beat it. My low is basically with buys though. I had like I didn't even have enough IR spots that week. Like I had too many guys that were out. I literally picked up three guys off of waivers in Dynasty and started them. Uh, if there's any week that I have a chance to to eclipse that low score. Then this is the week. It's it's just it's gross. Miles Sanders has a groin issue going on. Jamar Chase, we talked about that offense. I'm starting two tight ends, and one of them's Dallas Goddard, who is seriously waiver wire fodder. And <laughs> Russell Wilson had a good week last week, but again, going up against the Jets, I, I don't I don't know. I feel like it's a good week to be going against Kropa because I'm I'm not gonna put up a, a good number and maybe I'll just, just get in. Yeah. annihilated. Yeah. We'll see. we'll see. Yeah. You don't want to put up a good week and lose. So yeah, get, get, get the bad week yeah. out now. Just got to, what, what's the number I got to beat? 60? 63. 63. You gotta 63. Go below. I think it's like 62.9 or something like that, but yeah, I'll beat that. <laughs> and on the uh, other side of it, we're coming for Croak's high score. Uh, we, we've you, gotten you, close. You've done it twice. Like yeah. You, so yeah, you and Croak were the only one so far who have, won the weekly high so hopefully someone else takes it um with that said a quick update i guess on the division so this was our first week of uh non-divisional play so you can start seeing what some of that true strengths across uh, the league are and division three got swept got went oh and three so tough showing for them uh division two is actually looking real strong which is both of your divisions there is no team below 500 in that division so uh definitely going to be a tight race there to see who wins that one um and the leaders of our divisions crope is still holding it down and the team mandated male masseuses which is my division uh adam cohen is currently the leader in division two he's the only team at three and one with the other three at two and two and division three matt and dan rosinski are holding it down with three and one um each team has a different record in that uh division but i think all of us are pretty much 
comfortable that Matt and Dan are probably going to take that one there. Um, but moving ahead for this, who who do you think are some of the make or break uh, teams right now that this week is going to kind of decide their season for them? What games are you watching? In our league or in, in our league? league? Yeah, so in our league, and I, uh, Ryan, I know you have this down in the dock, but I think the big one this week is uh, Team Rosinski versus Team Cohen. Um, actually hoping for uh, Team Rosinski to come through and get a win. There, it's because uh, Adam's team obviously is strong in our division, and uh, if he gets a win against a, a strong team like like uh, Dan and Matt, then uh, puts him in a good spot. So uh, I think we'll be rooting for team my, myself and Wilk will both be rooting for Team Rosinski. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's a big big matchup for both of them. If Dan's team wins, they probably take another game lead over there division and if adam wins he stays in front of ours but if adam loses it's really big for our division because you know the three other teams are all two and two right behind him so a loss there you know the the standings could really shake up in our division if if he loses so go rosinski's <laughs> yeah and uh, i don't have too much because it does look like uh crope who is leading my division has a quite the favorable matchup currently um, I'm trying to just keep pace with him, but he definitely has the points scored uh, tiebreaker over me by a significant margin. Um, so just trying to keep pace with him. Hopefully he'll slip up later down. And then it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with, for me at least, uh, Dan and uh, DaCosta going up against Kaffer and Mike Williams. Both these teams uh, are teetering on potentially having to go into a rebuild, and this matchup will kind of help push one of these teams in that direction. So I think that is, is one matchup to watch. Uh, same thing kind of with the Schluter and Scott matchup as well. Um, Scott is already kind of leaning towards potentially rebuilding. Schluter seems – he was all of our favorites to be one of the best teams, but two and two and could potentially slip the two and three might change his outlook moving forward. So we'll see what happens there. Moving into, I guess, the NFL just before we close things out. Um Going to week five, I know we just talked about a lot of players that we were feeling good about or not feeling good about. Uh, are there any matchups or certain players you're watching to kind of see what trends are happening uh, coming into week five? I know we have a Thursday night game, and that for me is very interesting With uh, it's uh, to see what Khalil Herbert uh, is actually going to do against the commanders, uh, as Joe mentioned, to see if his production this past week was real. So that's something I'll be keeping an eye on. But uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else you're looking at. Yeah, I just had the Cowboys and 49ers game down. I think, you know, that's a big Sunday night matchup. Two pretty good teams should be a good game. And, you know, we'll see if the CMC show can do what he's been doing against the Cowboys defense. I think it, it'll be a good game to watch. Yeah, and I, I'm interested to see uh, the Eagles and Rams is one where, you know, I think there's probably going to be, I mean, obviously not surprisingly from my take earlier, I think Eagles are a team that are probably um, under undervalued in the market. Rams, a team maybe overvalued in the market, but also be interesting to see if Cooper Cup does play is – you know, like Matt Stafford, I think only has maybe one or two passing touchdowns all season, right? Like, does Cooper Cup coming back mean that, you know, regardless of where the targets go in, in between the 20s, like when they get back close to the end zone, is it is it Cup getting all the, the red zone targets again? So 
I'm interested to see that game from a fantasy standpoint on the Rams side and probably because I'll have money on Philly from a real life perspective. Yeah. And one final one. Uh, how many points do you think the Giants are going to give up to the Dolphins? Um, I think a million. Uh, I think all these players are just going to run circles. HN, Maiko for 200, Tyreek 400. I don't know. It's just going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> it probably won't be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how many that, I don't know how many Miami's going to score, but I can tell you how many the Giants are going to score, and it's few. Minimal. <laughs> Not very, many. very minimal. Um, yeah. So with that negative uh, <laughs> vibes on our Giants, we're going to start closing out the show. Uh, I want to thank everyone again for, for listening to the pod. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, good luck with your matchups. Keep keep fighting through. Again, it's early in the season. There's a lot of season left. So we'll be with you throughout. SFW Dynasty Podcast. Tune in next time.